This is the Unscripted Podcast. So there's this guy named uh, Deerneck. Is this a Jerry Clower? Uh, well, it could, it could be. City? It could be almost. But so, oh, Deerneck, I'm actually, uh, well. Ken Tuin? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, look, I worked this case where this guy had a four-wheeler stolen. And he had he had drove it like thirty uh, something miles across this, the Alabama border. A four wheeler. A four wheeler drove yeah. it thirty miles. Yeah. Well, of course. So so I got this. That's an hour. Yeah. You know what that's I mean? right. And that's booking it. You know. Absolutely. Like you go thirty mile an hour on your four wheeler, and you're just you're getting kind of squirrely. You know. Yeah. So if you take uh, he he drove it would it would be like. It would be like from almost pretty much from pedal to Purvis is how he drove. <laughs> so, so anyways, you would do uh, that in Hattiesburg, though. Yeah. So technically, for anybody who's listening, you can mark off uh, from Huntland to Huntsville, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, uh, for those that are around that, he had to he had to go through. Uh, I can't remember that name of the little town. Uh, anyways, it, it was like they always had a speed trap through there. But this guy, Gurley. <laughs> everywhere in alabama yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. but but uh so i had this uh mr carl rector was his name he was the guy who who owned it and i'm like you know what's a you know who have you had you know working at your place you know whatever well it was some guys who were coming to trim his trees and old deer neck had been on the crew to trim his trees and spotted mr carl's four-wheeler and, and anyway stole it well mr carl put up like a reward for somebody they gave information on it so i get this real suspicious call sus call you know as the kids nowadays calling it and uh you know this guy wanted to meet he wanted the reward money all that kind of stuff for information i'm like look jack your your information you got to check out first so anyways i drove the so the guy was this guy was narking on his other guy this guy was narking on another guy to get the money okay yeah. so Anyways, I, I go down and uh, there's a crack house on Maysville Road, down in uh, below Plevin, Alabama. If anybody knows where Buckhorn High School is, on uh, is that the crack house on, uh, on Winchester <laughs> Road? Yeah, you go about four miles down Maysville Road, and there's a there was a, a crack house on the left on Meth House. Chris, he stole like a forty eight hundred dollar Arctic Cat four wheeler. Drove it thirty something miles or more, I don't know, through the middle of the night. With the lights on. Sold it for a hundred dollars worth of meth at this house. That's crazy. And so I pull up and Blackjack is the guy who uh who's running this house or whatever. And I had two Madison County Sheriff's deputies with me. And um and I said, Look guys, I said, I'm just gonna tell you actually, no, I didn't have anybody from Madison County. I pulled up and uh was by myself this time and i said uh i had i had uh it was me and one other guy it was one car so anyways we pull up and i tell these guys i said listen i said i'll tell you what i said i'm looking for one particular thing i said i'm not looking for a whole bunch of stuff here i said if i if you want me to i said we can we can work out a deal i said i'm looking for a four-wheeler that a particular guy brought here last tuesday night in the middle of the night and I said, uh, I'm looking for, for that thing, and um, and all I got to tell you is is I need that four-wheeler, or I can call Madison County, and we can get their canines up here, and we can start searching this place. I said, what would y'all like to do? I got the keys. He said, uh, <laughs> he said it ain't here. <laughs> he said, but I can have it to you uh, by tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. I said, all right. So I get a call, and it, that was a Saturday night. He, I got a call uh, – I got a call at eight o'clock Sunday morning and said, uh, uh, yes, sir. There's a man named, uh, blackjack. And, uh, I thought his name was deer neck or something. No, no, no. Blackjack. Who is the one who bought the four wheeler? Okay. And I said, blackjack, you can get caught up in this. I said, or, uh, or you can, you can turn the four wheeler over. He had sold it to somebody else. Anyways, probably for a thousand. That thing got that thing got parked at, at like a I don't remember if it was five I think it was five point store. It got parked at five point store, and this little this little lady called me, and that's what I told him. I said, I said, look, I ain't gonna recover it from you. I said, you give you give them my number and, and tell them your name. And uh, this lady says, uh, oh, there's a guy who parked a four wheeler here and gave us your card and uh, said you would know what to do with it and i said yes ma'am i'll be there in a few minutes and uh anyways went got Didn't it drive but, it 30 miles back 
No. So I, I drove it on on the trailer back. Mm-hmm. Well, so then I I'll go to Deerneck's house and uh and I talked to him and I said, "You seen this four wheeler before?" "No, sir." <laughs> I said, "You ever rode this four wheeler before?" "No, sir." I said, "Well, your DNA is all over it, huh?" I said, "Yeah, your DNA is all over it." I said, "Here's what's gonna happen." I said, "You can either tell me what happened with this thing," I said. Or you can get turned in for with a whole bunch of other people. And anyways, he kept lying or whatever. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, uh, in court, I'm fixing. I said, you know who, you know who Mark McGuire is? He said, no. I said, oh man. I said, okay, yeah. You know who Sammy Sosa is? He says, uh, uh-uh. I'm like, man. <laughs> is he from down at the gas station? <laughs> I said, do you know who Babe Ruth was? He said, yeah, home run hitter. I said, let me tell you something. In court, I'm fixing to hit you like a Babe Ruth home run. <laughs> and I said, you can uh, you can either tell me the truth, and, um, and I'm going to ask the district attorney to go easier on you, and you can tell me where the rest of the stuff is, or, or uh, anyways. And so he, he ended up giving me a confession over it. But, uh but yeah, man. So do they really go easy on them when they do a confession deal? Yeah, I, I did because I t- I would go to before the judge and say I could tell the judge, listen, uh, this this guy, this guy lied for right. me. What was his name? Yeah, Dearneck. Dearneck. He lied to me this whole time, you know, and I had to pull teeth when he was given the option. He lied about it, blah blah blah, and you know, and then now here's the stuff or whatever. Or I can say. Didn't, before I even go to the judge, talk to the DA and say, look, you know, if you get the chance to work out a deal with this guy, here's what happened. I came to him, and he tells me the truth about it. We got everything recovered, and so I want you to consider that, you know. And so then they would do a plea deal with him. So isn't that a hard concept? I mean, like as far as, you know, because there's this there's – this, uh, there's this, it's a hard draw because there's a standard you got to hold as a cop, mm-hmm. right? Can cops lie? Yeah, legally. That, so they can lie, like mm-hmm. you can say, like you, you, you know, say whatever. We got you. Know, your you girl, we got your brother your, your in there. Your girlfriend told me that your that, girlfriend told me that you did it. Yeah, you're smoking meth in mm-hmm. here in the Kmart right. bathroom, and you can and, yeah. And uh, so the, um, but there's a there's a you know it's hard. I'll give you an example because we went to the Smithsonian one time. I by the way, I strive not to do not not do that because I was Christian. You yeah, know. yeah. There's you have another standard, mm-hmm, right? right? I'm just I'm just asking in general. You know. Yeah. We went to the Smithsonian one like uh, uh, Tuesday night. We went to uh, Grizzlies game. I had to go to Memphis pick up some material, and while I was up there, we went to Grizzlies game, right? And you know, had several things we we're going to do in Memphis that day, anyways. But so I uh, picked up uh, some material while I was up there. Went to Grizzlies game. Well. We get there, and, you know, first thing, Jessica, you know, we get out the car. She's like, because I'd called me, and I said, do we have to go through metal detectors? And he said, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that means no gun, right. you know, all that stuff. And so I took my gun out, my knife out, all that, and put it in the car before we left. Well, we get up there, and Liam has got his pocket knife, some kind of little game Liam board. Liam be along. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and this is what he does. He takes his fishing hook off his hat, <laughs> right? You know, he's got this fishing And puts it in the box. And puts through. it in the tub to send it through the thing. <laughs> but keeps his knife on <laughs> but him. But keeps his knife in his pocket and his, and his little Game Boy thing or whatever. Yeah. Well, now the Game Boy, you probably, looking at it, probably would think it's a cell phone or something, you know, just a normal glance at it, you know. Yeah. But the cop, the, what do you call him, security guard, you know, beep, Liam goes through. And he's like, go back through, check it again. Beep. And, like, I'm standing there. I'm like, Liam, what is it? He's like, Liam's got that deer in a headlight look, you know, and he's like. <laughs> I can see him now. <laughs> you know, he don't know what to do, you know, because beep, 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 beep. And this old guy. <laughs> he thinks I'm going to jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's said beep ten times. I'd love and to And the old guy's like, camera. what are you, what is going on here? What do you have? I was like, Liam, what do you have in your pocket? He's like. My knife. <laughs> I was like, Liam, you watched me take my gun out. You, I mean, like, why didn't you do it? He's like, I, I don't know. I just got to hurry and I forgot. I didn't think about it. And so what we did was we went out in front and they got these little flower gardens, right? I said, all right, everybody just sit down here in this flower garden right here. And we all sit around and dug a little spot. <laughs> and 
looked like the family was just hanging out at the flower pot. Yeah. yeah this is burying it. They won't even walk back to the car. Yeah. Well, it's a long walk. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. And buried it in the That's floor. when you look. Is this a Benchmade knife? No, it was a Walmart knife. Or is this knife. a Walmart special? Right. Yeah, because the Benchmade would have made the walk back. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. But it was a Walmart. And I, so you dug a hole. I dug a hole and stuck it in the hole and covered it up. You know, and actually put, I made sure I put gray mulch back on top of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it won't like a spot of, of nice, yeah. pretty black mulch, right? right? And then we go through the thing. Of course, you know, you're like, Liam, you know, just just Liam, right? And so we get inside. and But I, it made me just because, like, we're having another Smithsonian Institute problem. I was like, so because she reminds me. Another Smithsonian? I went to the Smith. We were, you know, we were in Virginia. We we're only four hours from the Smithsonian, mm-hmm. and so maybe not even four, maybe three and a half or something yeah, like that. From it. DC, yeah, from DC, right. and so we could go up and ride the metro in. You could just spit mm-hmm. you right out there, you know, right. which is real slick and easy to do. You ain't no parking in DC, right. and I take my truck up there sometimes and just park it in a construction parking, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it would just look like a regular construction truck, right. but. So I get to the Smithsonian, right? And this is back when our pocket knives were just like the old-timer folding knives. You remember yeah. we all carried them mm-hmm. kind of knives like that? And before the – Yeah, you know, nothing tactical. Yeah, nothing tactical. You right. know, just like the ones your grandpa used to chew, cut mm-hmm. his plug of brown mule tobacco off mine with. Didn't, mine didn't chew. <laughs> mine and my granny did. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, my granny used a, a peanut hole. Yeah. Actually, I never I never met either one of my granddads, so I don't know. Well, I, I knew both of mine. One of them yeah. smoked the pipe, and the other one chewed brown mule plug tobacco. Yeah. And my granny chewed uh, tubro snuff. She put it in a yeah. half a peanut hole and held the peanut hole in her mouth, right? One of mine was an elder in the church, and the other one had won uh, a publisher prize uh, award for being <laughs> the greatest person in the world. <laughs> mine was a uh, – he had two co- commendations from the Army for going AWOL. <laughs> Obviously, I'm lying here. I'm yeah, messing. well, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. You know, <laughs> now one of my was an elder church, but, but anyway. so anyways, yeah. um, uh, we go to the Smithsonian, right? And you go through the thing, yeah. Beep, and the this is long before nine eleven, yeah. right? So you know things are a little bit different back then. Oh yeah, a lot bit different. So this chick that was running the security line or whatever, right? My knife, you know, you put your she knife. She take her job real serious. She ha- listen. This is what she had. Okay. There's a certain length of knife that's allowed, okay? It's a certain length of knife yeah. that's allowed. And this length of knife, she said it's, I said, how long is the limit on the knife? She told me whatever it was, and I was like, I'm in the clear. Yeah. You know, in my head, you know, because, you know, you all carry the three-blade lock back, mm-hmm. old-timer knives, you know, and use one for cleaning your fingernails, one for whittling, you know, you, yeah. you, you had the, the, I still got them in my drawer. Yeah, then one's a utility knife, yeah. Well, the um, she said it's X amount of length till I get up there, and I when I put it in my little bowl, it's like all right, I'll be in the clear. So it goes through the thing. You don't even have a metal detector. You just you know just kind of show what you got. You all know, right. she opens. She's like open the blade on it. She opens the blade. She's got a back end of a drumstick. That's what every I look, and it's like ten of them in line right here, right, standing at a podium. And she's got the she barely can. She's just tall enough to get her elbows up on the podium, right? So the the drumstick is just eye level with her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's got this drumstick, you know, like you know, not like a chicken leg, but like a bacon racket on a drum. Okay. And she's got this drumstick that the back end of it's got a notch that she's whittled mm-hmm. around it. That's the standard. Yeah. Well, if you don't hit the standard, she can beat the drum. It, no, she she takes your knife. Yeah. It goes. Uh, uh, so what it was was mine was about an eighth of an inch too too long. And she said, you can't bring that in here. I said, why? She said, it's longer than the set standard. I said, ma'am, your your stick's not right. She said, it is right. I said, ma'am, I'm telling you, your stick is whatever the, you know, if it's anything that I know is measurements. Mm-hmm. And she said, my stick is right. And I said, she said, you can put it in this amnesty pile or you can go back and put it in your car. I was like, what's amnesty? She's like, what's well, a box you put it in and don't get it back. I said, we call that the trash, ma'am. I said, I'm not throwing my knife. Trash, ma'am. <laughs> I'm not throwing it in the trash. And you know, Jessica, you know, she's just, I mean, she's just twisted up. Here. Oh, yeah. She thinks she's going to the penitentiary. Yeah, exactly. She's like, Chris, you're making a scene. <laughs> you know, well, this big old dude comes walking over, right? He's like, because he can tell there's like a, a a little tussle going on here. Uh-huh. He's like, what's your problem what's over here? What's the problem? Yeah, here? what's the problem over here? And I said, uh, 
She said, his knife blade too long. And I said, ma'am, your stick is wrong. If, if you're telling me the correct standard, your stick is wrong. He said, give me your stick. He pulled out his stick. And his was, you know, his was worn. You know, it had, you know, like, you know, you carry a piece of wood long enough, you'll kind of like um, burnish it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there ain't no walking back to anywhere right, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Ain't no walking back. So. He looked at her stick and looked at mine. He said, who whittled your stick? She said, well, I did. And, and it was the line was this much shorter than his was. And he said, you're Quarter like, inch, yeah, yeah it Half was probably inch. like three-eighths of an inch. Yeah. And mine was an eighth of an inch too long. And I thought, how many people done put their knives in your amnesty box right. because you got your stick whittled wrong, yeah. right? And he's like, go on, don't worry about it. Well, long and short was she had the wrong standard mm -hmm. she was setting the wrong standard to do it and now you know i mean like was it right to argue that's another conversation for another time but i really thought i was in the right and i just happened to be this time yeah in the right you know and the uh so jessica when we had the thing at memphis because it stuck in her mind so much you know like <laughs> me pitching a fit at the smithsonian you know <laughs> that that because uh, the next one we went into she's like we ain't going through that again She's like, we ain't going through that again. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Poor Jessica. She's probably sitting through the whole Grizzlies game going, I know that some homeless person is digging up that knife, and now they've gone, they're going to commit a murder, and Liam's DNA is going to be all over that knife. And I just know we're all going to the pen. And I know that I'm going to get arrested because I'm his mama. <laughs> yeah, and he's a juvenile. And I'm the only woman that ain't going to meet him. I don't care about babies. Yeah, hey, Ben, Chris is real good with measurements until unless it comes to barn doors and tractors. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. When I went to the next one, the next Smithsonian, I went out there and found a crack in the mortar and slid my knife oh, yeah. in that crack in the mortar just so I would avoid to have that happen again. Hey, that's the way New York City is nowadays. It doesn't matter if you're the – if I mean, so at, at D.C., the, we would go up there during police week whenever they'd put new names on the – we didn't go up there by choice. We went up there because we lost the officer in the line of duty, and that's how we started it in 2010. And uh, anyways, we go up there, well, it's really nice – at least it is now. Um, I don't know, or at least it was then. I don't know how it is now. But during that, they see it's never nice. Yeah, during the week of during the police week, there's about thirty thousand extra cops in the city. Well, that's a little bit different dynamic, right? Your ratio to meth heads are it, right. it changes a little bit. And so, and so, if you wear your badge, and if you got if you got your badge, uh, you you ride the metro for free that week. And um and so you're doing that, and you'd also carry firearm where you want to, including the um whatever all the all the monuments and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But um but you go up to you go a few miles north in New York City. It don't matter if you're a cop. It don't matter who you are, or whatever. You know you you're you're in a bad spot. And uh well, we were going to a preseason game at Titans Field one time. In uh, Titan Stadium in Nashville, me and my older brother were. He lived up there at the time, and he got some preseason tickets. And I said, "Yeah, I'll go to I'll go to a game with you." And uh, so we're going. I had, I mean, I I've, I've been policing for ten years at this point, at least. And um, we're going. We walked. Of course, we parked in the cheapest parking you could park at, and we walked, you know, two miles or whatever. Right. And it's like Brian. We could have paid five more bucks, and we could have parked right over there. No, you know, right. we just burnt lunch off no, walking we, we, over here. We walked the bridge across. <laughs> we walked across the river. You know. Right. Anyways, a lot of people did it, but so we get over there, and and I see it was it was like you know preseason. They're training new people, so they're I'm, I'm seeing like this. They they wanding everybody, right? And I'm like, I got my gun on me, and I was like, they're going. They're going to hit me up. And I was like, it's going to be a problem because this is like training day. Right. And this is a newbie. Like, they're not. Right. I don't know if they're going to overreact. They have, I might right. get shot. Right. So, anyway, so I just kind of moseyed over and walked over to a, a, I saw a uniformed officer. I said, hey, man. I said, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, I'm off duty or whatever. And I got my weapon on me. And I said, I'm just wondering, you know, if I can go in there. He said, man, he said, I'd love to let you. He said, they won't. He said they won't let the FBI walk in there with a firearm if they're off duty. And uh, he just said it's all this whole Homeland Security junk or whatever. And um, so I was like, all right, thanks. And I said, well, what do you suggest? I was like, I'm parked two miles away. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. So I walked up to the ambulance 
people and I said, uh, I said, Hey, you know, told them who it was, show them my badge, whatever. Said, Hey, do y'all mind? Y'all going to be here the whole night. They said, yeah, we're going to be right here unless something bad happens. And, uh, I said, do you mind if I leave my gun in the, in the car with you? You talking about standards. This guy goes, according to Tennessee code annotated 35, 15, 401. He's like, there's no firearm that's allowed in an ambulance. I was like, have a good day, bud. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's quoting the book at me. Right. So I won't forget that guy. Yeah. I saw a Metro officer with sergeant stripes on him. He was directing traffic. I, and, uh, I hollered at him. He said, yeah, man. He said, uh, he said, throw it in my car. He's like, I'll, uh, he's like, I'll be here. I'll be here all night. And, uh, he said, if I don't hook up with you, he's like, well, I'll make sure somebody gets it to you. So anyways, I still got his number in my phone. But, Did you uh, get it back at night? Oh yeah. I just called him up he ran it to me and anyways, and, and gave us a ride back to the, uh, back to our parking spot. That's pretty slick. Yeah. So that worked out pretty good. You know, there's just such a strong spiritual application from this, right? And, you know, I was thinking about this in the sense of, um, you know, like this idea of, of holding the line, you know, of understanding the standard, of knowing what the, you know, because there's all this, you know, we're studying this idea of legacy this year for mm-hmm. our, or in our church family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea behind this legacy is, is that, you know, everybody's going to leave this kind of different legacy, and and it's going to be based on what they think is right. Now, now let me make sure I under explain this because there's no such thing as existentialism. Okay, you got to explain that word to me. Uh, existentialism is. Hold on, Ben. Can you explain existentialism? Nope. Can okay. you can you spell it? Nope. The Chris <laughs> likes to use these big words. He looks them up 15 minutes before we come in here. And... That ain't on my phone. Look at my. <laughs> that ain't on my phone. Look at let my. Race my. Let me hey, look at my latest. Look, I got I got two teenagers in my house right now. Look, my, mine is a pokey, p o k i. I'm sure that's one of the boys. Pokemon. Yeah, fanatics. Uh, UPS tracking, high speed end mill, national championship. Decisionalism. <laughs> Aluminum supply, New Orleans. <laughs> the um, five secret. All right, explain the word to me. So, hey, by the way, pause your uh, pause your browser, and if you can tell us the definition at this timestamp uh, right now, tell us what it means. We need all right, to get a button that says word of the day. Word of the day. <laughs> the but existentialism is this idea that that um, uh, there are things that are right in certain situations and things that are right in other situations. Okay. So So there's no what you're saying is is there's no a such fluid thing. standard. Yeah, it's not that because in existentialism there would be a definition that there is something right. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? But there's no absolute right. So okay. So let's just say that it Sounds kind of woke. Like uh, it, a woke society. It, it, word. Well, it's it's actually a word that I learned probably 25 years ago yeah. and and uh, I read it in a in a you know, commentary book or something like that. But, but anyways, this idea that like, say sometimes it's okay to, uh, let's just say that there's nowhere to go to church on Sunday. So you're somewhere, there's nowhere to go to church. So I'm gonna go to the Baptist church. Yeah. Right. Or, Oh, uh, well you, you gotta say, Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might save some. And so, there, there's a time whenever he might have went into the synagogue, even though he didn't synagogue worship anymore. He might have sat through a synagogue service. That's right. So that he could have the opportunity to speak the truth. Yeah, and it's and it's the like I had a brother back home one time that actually he spent one whole quarter of Wednesday nights going to, uh, and this was a you know a, a, a great brother. He went. He spent one whole quarter because you know we studied all these denominational doctrines. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he came out of one of the denominations too, but but he only you know most people that come out of various denominations come out of a denomination yeah and so they usually have experience with two then right yeah, because right. you know you come from this church to the to, to the, the truth church. right to the right to the lord's church and or you come from this one to this one right and they usually don't have the brevity of all of them well he, he spent every wednesday night for a quarter you know going around to all these various denominations just listening to their assemblies and stuff like that and any and i'll tell you what john told me in the end he said it was a waste of my time mm. but you know, this idea of existentialism is that sometimes it's okay. You know, like I can say cuss words here, but I can't say cuss words okay. there. You know, I can say I can say when I'm around my buddies, mm-hmm. right? But I can't say I'm in front of Miss Mary Johnson, who's 95. Right. You know, that's existentialism. Well, and, and so that's not what I mean by this legacy of existentialism. You know, what I mean by that is that every person is going to have their own circumstances in their life that they would 
utilize and use to leave their legacy. So you've got three boys and a girl. Mm-hmm. I've just got three boys. So my legacy will look different than yours will. Yeah. And and if I only had if I had no children, it would look different. If I had uh, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. my circumstances and what what I mean by that is that I've got to make sure that I'm that the standard that we're we're leaving, you know, God so God gives us these rules. You know, like you ever look at the uniform tax code before? Uh yeah. I haven't. It's not like I mean like it's ten thousand pages. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. No, I mean I look at specific things. Yeah, but you know why? You know, like we should be able to do our taxes on a note card. Yeah. You know, like you make this amount, you pay this amount, you make this amount, you pay this amount, right? And 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 that's the way it should go. But no. They do all these, like if you do this, then that. You know, we have to pay somebody, right? Yeah, who's the senator from Texas? That's what he was running on years ago when he was running against Trump. Yeah, that, uh, Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, yeah. yeah. So, you know, but but anyways, long and short of it is is that God gives us this, I don't know, for lack of a better term, this book, that's the standard, mm-hmm. right? You know, that God in the beginning, you know, when he told Moses and Jesus stitches it up in the Revelation letter that – don't add to, don't take away, yeah. you know, these words that I tell you, you know, commit to your children, you know, all these mm-hmm. things that, that Moses and God goes through as we go through this Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 6, Revelation 22, all these things God is trying to get us to see is this standard. But there's this this thing that happens is that it's so hard to understand just a rule And sometimes. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Like, like for example, uh, huh, you know, there's no don't beat your wife verse. Right. It's not in there. It's but it is you know husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church mm-hmm. so so what God does then is he has to sh- he has to demonstrate to us what how, love is right what yeah. love is and and not say don't do this don't do that uh, it's interesting that you bring that up too because like I literally had a conversation with one of our sisters in Christ this Sunday night she wanted to beat her wife no <laughs> just talking about no not at all but uh her. Her wife's not strong enough. No, I'm just kidding. No, no she, she doesn't know why. But no, I was talking to her. She asked me. She's like, uh, "Why did you? Why did you bring up my conversion story in uh, to college students?" And uh, and I was like, "Well, because you're important." And I and I said, "You're you're an example of joy." And uh, so I brought it up in our Sunday morning class about her conversion story and how I'd shared it with uh, with college students. And it was it was based off of the Philippian jailer. How that you know? Who do you think he'd listen to all night? Well, he he saw the the joy of Paul and Silas after they'd been beat beat half to death, put their ankles in stocks in the prison, and at midnight they're singing hymns and praying to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Right. And so whenever whenever this earthquake came, you know, in Acts sixteen, and and then whose feet else is he going to go and and fall down to? And I asked Tom Bird. I said I said Have you ever seen? I said you did a good job with that class. I, I haven't been able to come to it much. Because, you know, we've been doing the other class. Oh, you were you in know. there Sunday, right? I was in there this past yeah, yeah, Sunday. Yeah. yeah, you did a good job. And, anyways, that. so, yeah, Tom just said uh, he'd been in the prison system 25 years or something, like 26, I don't remember how long. And I said, have you ever seen this, an, an inmate, have you ever seen a jailer, a guard run and, and sit at the feet of an inmate trembling and saying, sir, what must I do to be saved? And he's like, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> no, it ain't going to happen. But they saw the joy. And, uh, you hit Tom on the head right there. If I had yeah. impression. Nobody else will get that but yeah. us. You know? They saw the, but they they knew the joy. He knew the joy that Paul and Silas had. So whose feet is he going to go lay down at? And, you know, and and he 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 craved that joy. Well, well, so that sister that I told the story about, um, she asked why I brought it up to college students, and I told her exactly why. And uh, and I said that's why I brought it up in class today too. And um, and she's, she's a foreigner. Yeah, she's from Russia. Yeah, another country. Yeah, you know, complete and, and, different and so, culture. So her, uh, I don't, should I share her little story? Or is it too long? Anyways, I probably it's fine. You, you, probably, right. you better ask so, her. So first. she, yeah, she so, said something to you. Yeah, about so it. she said, no, no, no. She said, I appreciate you saying that. Then I think you should tell it. All right. So, um, without saying her name. Yeah, I asked her one time. I said, what What did it for you, Christianity? Because obviously she's from a different country and uh, communism. Yeah, and uh, she was Siberia. Siberian communist. Just think about that. Yeah, this is this is how bad it was. Because I talked to her and, and we had one of them cold snaps here. Yeah, where it's like twenty five degrees. You know, mm-hmm. I had people. I don't know if they do this to you. I reckon they think it must be just 
minus 12 in Virginia in summertime. But I had him calling me saying, hey, it's going to be 25. You reckon my pipe's going to freeze in my house tonight? I said, how long ago was your house built? I don't know, like 2010? Like, you're fine. You got insulation in your walls. It's, right. It'll be 25 for about 15 minutes, and then it's going to it's gonna march back up. I said, if it's 25 for the high for the week, maybe so. And I told uh, her, I was like, I told her that story, and I was like, I hated those days and in, in the the a week in Virginia where the high was 10. She said, I hated the winters like that <laughs> where the high was 10. Just think about that. You go all winter long, and the warmest it gets is 10 degrees. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, you know, she's a, a communist, Siberian, right? Here we go. Atheist, go keep going. Yeah, so I said, what did it for you? And she said, she said, well, these missionaries had came from, I believe it was Mount Juliet, Tennessee, or Smyrna, Tennessee. And she said, they're, they're in the middle of Siberia, whatever wherever she's at and she said it was freezing cold and snows everywhere and she said we're cold in our house and she, you know they pump did you know they pump the heat into the houses there no I don't. so in russia it's very calm that's why it's such that's why they didn't fight in the winter you know they just started fighting again in ukraine you know that yeah, yeah in the springtime whatever. yeah yeah and it's because they literally have to pump hot water and heat into the houses there's a that they're that governmental controlled wow just think about so us they have like the radiator heat or whatever yeah just think about us that make our own heat in our homes right just think about such a difference in the way that we think and the way that that's com- communism yeah that you have to depend on the government for your heat yeah just think about that not just your power but your heat too, mm-hmm. your hot water. And you'll freeze to death over there. Dead Quick. son, ded, dead. You know that's why it's such a huge deal. So yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. So no, that's fine. And so she's like, it, it's it's freezing cold. You know we're cold in our house too. But she said they came in and they're so freezing cold. And she said they're they're kicking the snow off of them. And she said we're just so miserable. And she said they had so much joy. And she said, I was sitting there as an atheist, and she said, I envied their joy. And she said, that's what turned me on to the gospel. And um, and so, you know, so she asked me Sunday night, why did you tell my story or whatever? And I said, well, because it's important. And I said, I said, you got all these college students today who – who you know they're they're wanting to end their life or they don't know where to where to go next or whatever and I said and the whole message of of, of that night of the church was was you are the sermon and what if everybody in the church was just like me you know would anybody experience joy would anybody experience all these different things and so so her joy was it was contagious and so she said to me she said you know so many people this was the conversation Sunday night so many people see the Bible as a as a rule book and she said I have never looked at the Bible as seeing it as something that uh, I can't do something now oh, oh because of Christianity I'm no longer allowed to do these things she said Christianity is so liberating she said I'm 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 completely free to the point that it's such a joy to serve God in whatever way he wants me to serve him ain't that an awesome thing oh though? man I'm just like just emotional to think about it, you know. Yeah, and and you know that's the that's what the Lord's you know drawn with is you know the truth and the truth will make you free. That now I'm I am completely free. It's not about the shackle that the world has, but I'm free from from all these changes. You know, because the world is an ever shifting yeah. sand. You know, it's just always going to change. And so so you think about like this idea, you know, Paul and and Silas. You know, at some point in the night they went back to prison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. I know you're gonna bring this up Sunday. Yeah, they're still there. They're 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 going to go. I mean, like if you look at this account in Acts 16, and you know this is a, a powerful account, and, and really and truly, you know, there's a there's Paul is kind of exercising his right, you know, kind of as a Roman. Yeah. yeah, as a Roman, and yeah, it's the same thing I was doing with that girl, you know, to Smithsonian. Like, no, 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 you've just got the wrong standard. You just missed the boat here, not me. On this, sometimes I miss the boat, right? Yeah. Like I always tell myself. If I ever get pulled over for speeding and I won't speeding, I'm just really just making up time. You know, it's not like I'm not guilty of it. Yeah. You know, I just didn't get caught them other times. Mm-hmm. Well, Acts 16, you know, when this guy at the nighttime, you know, they, they wash them, same way out of the stripes. I, I think your story, I think your story 
it is exactly to what Paul went through. You know, with your knife and <laughs> yeah. getting beat on the back. Hey, you, you know what I prison. almost listen, I, I, let me tell you how close I was to this. I, I'm coming, Chris. I, I almost I was so upset with that girl, and of course this is a long time ago, and Chris has grown a lot. I almost <laughs> stabbed my knife in the podium and snapped the eighth of an inch off the end of it <laughs> and, and left the tip in there and took the knife with me. That's how I mean that's that was going through my mind. Yeah. You know, and, and that was pre nine eleven. That was uh, you know, a well very twenty years ago, a very immature Christian Chris too, yeah. and and so, but, but Paul and Silas, you know the 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 they, you know the the foundation of the jail is earthquaked, shaken in such a way that the chains are loosed. Mm-hmm. So you think about this: if you wanted a divine stamp of approval for leaving, you got it. Yeah. You know, for us, prison doors are open. The prison doors are open, so there's there's a miracle that happens, and the chains are loosed. Mm-hmm. So they're loosened in such a way that whatever, however they had them fastened to the wall, you know, it's not like they had tap cons back then, but however they had them fastened to the wall, they're loosened. So this is a divine stamp of approval, as it were, that that Paul, you know, well, people say, well, you know, Paul was Paul was just uh, he was obeying the laws of the land. Well, I'm just going to tell you that when God steps in. You don't have to worry about those laws anymore, right? Yeah. So, so God steps in here, but Paul stays. This is what's a powerful a lesson I think Paul shows us here. The Verse 34, when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God with his whole household. And it was day, when it was day, the magistrates sent officers saying, let these men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart in peace. You know, at some point, Paul had to go back to prison. Mm-hmm. At some point, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they went and studied. So you got from between midnight and daybreak, they do this Bible study with this guy. They they speak the word of the Lord to him, 32. Him and his household took him the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and his family were baptized. So this guy's converted in the middle of the night. And this is it's scriptural to start you know, to have dorm room Bible studies, you know, middle yeah. of the night, wherever, prison Bible studies. and Well, you know, verse 37 is a key to this. They have beaten us Romanly, uncondemned Romans, right. have thrown us into prison, and now they do put us out secretly? No, indeed. Look at what he says. Let them come themselves and get us out. Right. Paul's back in prison. Yeah. So Paul has went back to prison. Exactly. So, so just think about this powerful lesson that Paul's teaching them here. Like, So there's a standard, right? that Paul had to look at and examine and say, what's the right thing to do here? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he it's only him and Silas are in prison. You know, these are being Jews. Luke's with them at some point in this, like we looked at Sunday, remember? You know, Luke's with them, and now it happened as we went to prayer, verse 16. So Luke is with them in the we. Right. But it's only Paul and Silas that end up he with them in prison. That right. went up, end up in prison. So Paul and Silas are in prison, and verse 25, the prisoners were listening to them. If you look at that word, it's got the epi in the Greek word right there, and that means to uh, to. Uh, it shows this idea that you're intent, intently standing over it. You know, like like you got something broke, and you're just you know it, this intentional listening. You know, so you're standing over it, like you, you got this broke piece, and you're just standing there trying to figure out what am I going to do now, mm-hmm. right? You're just, and that's what they're doing. That's the, that's the only time I think that this word is used in the New Testament like this. And it's because it's not just these prisoners and our Paul and Silas are singing hymns. What, what do you think they're doing? This is such a powerful lesson about why we sing for instead of playing the guitar because the guitar, you know, people, you know, or the piano, they say it's for me. Well, Paul is trying to teach them. I heard John Moore preach a lesson at PTP when you're about this being in prison and the they're singing this song, you know, Paul, and he says, I wonder what song they sung in there oh yeah and, or songs and, and he and he starts when he's doing this is he kind of does a bob sermon you know mm-hmm. you know how you kind of like break out into song in your sermon yeah. sometimes yeah. he kind of breaks out into song and he starts singing some of the psalms you know mm-hmm. and you're like oh man i will call upon the lord. i mean he goes in it yeah. unto the old lord yeah and and so he goes through this thing and, and you're like Wow. Yeah. You know, you're the lifter of my head. So he, yep. so he's going through and he's, and you're like, so these guys are listening with this intentional 
not just like uh, you know you let you put on the radio sometimes just for racket, right? Mm-hmm. These guys are listening. You know, like there's something these guys are teaching me with the way they're singing. Yeah, Paul and Silas, the prison bars break. They've got a standard now, right? Can Paul and Silas leave? Yes. Yes. Did God intervene and tell them they could leave? Yes. Did the did as did, Paul, did the jailer allow him to leave? Yes. He took him to their house to his own house. Did Paul have a right to leave? Yes. You know the, all those things, right? That's why Paul uses this. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, illegal. We are Romans, and yet you beat us. Un- you right. did, you know, as a Roman, you know, Paul was from Tarsus. Mm-hmm. That was a unique thing. Tarsus, you know, Saul of Tarsus. That's a free city. That was a city that if you were born there, you were a free citizen mm-hmm. of Rome. So Paul is a free citizen of the of of Rome. He doesn't. He enjoys the citizenry privileges, which that meant, like we were talking about earlier, there's certain unalienable rights that they were born with. Well, you know, no, no, no. You guys beat us. You condemned us. You imprisoned us as Romans. So Paul says, they did that thing. Let them come out here mm-hmm. and get us out. Why are they out? Because they went back. At some point during the night, I don't know what it went like. I don't know what they sat down and ate. Mm-hmm. You know, he set food, set before, food before and rejoiced. I don't know what a Roman a Philippi outpost they would eat. But I know this, that this was a fellowship meal right here. Oh, yeah. They're loaded of rejoicing. And, and they're the... But at some point during it's the scriptural, meeting. we should have food after every <laughs> baptism. <laughs> Amen. Or, there should or, be. He it, and all his family were baptized. Now he brought them out in the house, set food before them. Hey, if we're going to be scriptural about it, then the person that you baptize is supposed to feed the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because my wife, whenever we have somebody over for Bible it's study, scriptural. Does it your should wife, be a standard. Does your wife ask his question? Are we feeding them? Well, always. You know, that's what Jessica asked me. Like when somebody comes over for a Bible study, like, am I feeding them? Mm-hmm. She, she needs to know, like, what do, what do I need she to do? She wants to know ahead of time. Right, yeah. exactly. You know, this is the op- – Sometimes we, we, I tell her, like, look, they ain't, they ain't no ahead of time. Like, yeah, <laughs> they come and – you know, this is funny because this is the opposite, right? I don't Maybe know about just, your wife. That's hard on mine sometimes. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's why she asks it. Right. You know, that's why she's like, can we schedule the Bible study at, like, 630? Because mm-hmm. she's like – then she thinks that that's a reasonable assumption that people will come to. It's past eating time. Right. You know, like we, I don't know how y'all eat, but we eat about five o'clock. We eat anytime. And so we, it eat don't about, matter if it's nine o'clock, five now, o'clock. Now we usually eat about, we're like old people, you yeah. know, and Jessica, she's, she's like clockwork, buddy. She's going to eat breakfast in the morning. She's going to, you know, if, even if something happens and we don't eat breakfast until eight thirty, nine o'clock, if it's 11 30, 12 o'clock, no matter how big of a breakfast, she's like, Hey, it's lunchtime. Yeah. And here's, here's a, Paul is such a good example. So the standard is he's a Roman and, and he's, he's a Roman. He's, he's entitled. Entitled that the fact that he should have, there should be court proceedings to go through before he's beat. Right. It's still, it's, I mean, it's perfectly legitimate for him to be beat. Yeah. He can be beat all he wants, but, but it won't, it was not an illegal, you know, like you pull somebody out the car as a mm-hmm. policeman. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a time and place that you got to put knots on somebody. You ever had to put mm-hmm. knots on somebody's head before? Huh? <laughs> and yeah. See, right? There's a there's a legitimate time. Yeah. That that's called for, right? There's Absolutely. a time, there's a time when force needs to be used. Yeah. There. Yeah. The but all those has- are set in guidelines, right? In standard, right? It's not like yeah. you just, you know, you fighting with Courtney coming down the road. On the phone. Did you say us? <laughs> Did you say us? No. I'm <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I don't have a, I don't have the right to lay my hands on her. But yeah, I mean, there was. No, I'm just saying, you fighting yeah. with her, you're all twisted up, mad. Mm-hmm. This next guy, you pull over for some reason, mouth off to you. You know, you don't just get to drag him you don't out. Just get to drag him out for no your, reason with your uh, extender wand. There was there was a guy who tried to kill us. He was he was. Uh, <laughs> He was. We were, Every story starts out good. It's a guy trying to kill me. Well, he was. <laughs> we got called. It was a domestic violence, and, and the girl got out of it. He was staying at the camper park and had his fifth wheel or whatever pulled up the camper and living there. The, living there, yeah. And uh, and so he had uh, he was living in his camper like a house. Yeah, and he told her like, "You ain't getting out alive." Well, she made it out somehow, and she's like, "He said when the police come to arrest him, like he had federal warrants for him." But also, um, you know, now he's got a domestic violence charge. You know, she had a what's a federal warrant? How do you get a, a how do you get felony, the United- felony warrant? Okay, so felony's federal. It's a, yeah, technically. I don't. I just don't understand this stuff. Yeah. Anyways, um, 
So it's a we can talk about it some other time, right? But anyways, a felony charge means that you know it can go all the way it it can go all the way to Supreme Court. Okay, and so it can doesn't mean that it has to, but uh, but it can't be disposed of in a smaller court in a municipality court or a general sessions type court. It has to be disposed of in at least a circuit court or above. I don't know that's all weird, but I still don't understand it. So yeah, go ahead. So anyways, um, a city judge can't dispose of a felony. Right. Oh, okay. I got you. He so, can't just say, we're going to let that slide. Yeah, we're going to let that slide, bro. No, it's yeah. got to go through the proceedings or whatever. Right. Okay. I got now, you. he can establish that there was probable cause and then bind it over. Right. Um. Anyways, so long story, this guy was, uh, he had warrants on him. She said, if he shows up, he's going to, he said, when the police show up, he's going to pour acid on y'all. He's going to pour muriatic acid on you. Man, and, he's committed, ain't he? So that's a, so you talk about, I mean, that's just like, all right, I got on Bulletproof, but like. When, you know, acid is calcium seeking. You know that? Yeah. No, so, I mean, I don't, I, all I know is it burns. Yeah, acid is calcium seeking, so it will burn through anything, you know, especially like um, certain types of acid. Yeah. You know, we used it at work, mm-hmm. and uh, if you got a drop on you or whatever, it wouldn't stop till it got to the bone. Till it got to the bone. Because so, it's calcium seeking. So we're so they, they called out four of us SWAT officers to go with the deputies to go get this guy. And so I'm sitting here looking at everything that I've got on, and I said, I, I, may, I may be burned to the bone, you know, before the night's over with. And mm-hmm. so, anyways, we knew that going in, and so it might as well just say we're, he's going to shoot y'all when you show up. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, we go and and it was, which might be a little bit easier. We knock on <laughs> we knock on the camper door, and as soon as the second knock happens, the door catches on fire. Eh? Yeah, he's throwing acid on the door. He no he he ignited the door with with some kind of solvent with gas or something like that. What I didn't know until later, and a guy named Charles Keller saved all of our lives. As soon as the fire started, we're dealing with the door. Well, well, my team leader, he was he he should have been fourth in the stack. But anyways, he he knocked on the door and he thought he did something somehow to make that door because triggered it, it. He triggered thought- it because he he tapped on the door with the Halligan tool. Okay, it's a spark resistant tool. Right for that reason. Anyways, he felt obligated that I got to get this guy out because now we've we've initiated this thing. Fire. Fire. Anyways, so he starts tearing the door apart and trying to get it open. Well, this guy had the doors tied and all this kind of stuff, had it barricaded up. Well, we start getting the door open. They swing out on campers, though. They swing out. So he that's why he had a halligan tool and yeah. not a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. So he was going to we were going to pry it if we mm-hmm. had to. And so hey, well he had to at this point. Yeah. So we're I'm saying don't go in and I'm I'm literally got my team leader by the belt trying to pull him back because mm-hmm. like don't go in there. Well, he's trying to get into him anyways. He gets smoke inhalation, falls off this little 4-foot porch and actually hyperextends his knee, messes Jack's knee up. Well, this guy, at some point we had the door open and part of it, and the screen, anyways, part of it melted. Well, this guy is pouring, and it wasn't acid because it was lighting up. Right. He was pouring something at us, and uh, that's the closest I've ever come to shooting somebody. I was squeezing down on him. And um, anyways, uh, well, eventually he, he got so much smoke in him that he decided he wanted to come out at that point. <laughs> he smoked so the we said, we said, you're not – we said you're not coming out this door, and by this point it's a window and it's a camper window. Right. You know how big them. It's kind yeah, of like well, a little MRI tube you talked about. <laughs> yeah. And so he said, um, he said, I wanna, I wanna come out. I wanna come out. Well, he couldn't come out the door because it was on fire. And we, we, anyways, we're fire extinguisher and stuff. Well, Charles went up when all this was going on, and he shut the, he shut off the gas to the, oh, the propane, the propane to the camper. Well, this guy, he what he was trying to do is he's trying to kill us all. He had had he had his oven open with the gas going. Wow. From a little further from that camera to that camera away. And uh and this stuff's just and then he sets the thing on fire and that's what he was doing. He was trying to trying to kill himself and kill us too, make mm. the camper explode. Well, so anyways, he he we said, You're not coming out unless you put both hands out the window. Well, he puts both his hands out the window and a Big, I'll just say, I won't say his name. Anyways, one of our big, one of the biggest cops I've ever seen, grabs <laughs> both his hands, and this guy, 
this guy would come he'd come out that window i'll just i'll just say that <laughs> anyways uh you know uh mr leggett he was here ken mm-hmm. marshall's brother yeah that's how big his cop oh was. yeah anyway so he put him through like about, a play-doh about mold. three inches taller than him great scott yeah alive. he's just a he's massive man anyways <laughs> he pulls him out the window well as soon as he get him out the window he starts reaching for something and anyways, and you asked if I ever hit, ever hit somebody. Well, I hit him. I hit him a couple of times. So they asked me in court. They said because he wasn't giving his hand. I didn't know if he's reaching for a gun or what he's reaching for. And um, so he, um, they said, "Did you hit my client?" "Yes, sir, I did." "Why'd you hit my client?" "I thought he was reaching for a gun. He just tried to kill me." You know. So there's times whenever, whenever you 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 have to do those things. But I'm I've never seen a, I've never seen a um, an inmate. You know, a, a guard come and lay down at somebody's feet. Well, you and, know, what you did was you used your experiences to make the right decision. Yeah. Was it the right decision to thump that old boy? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. He needed and, it, right. And, 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 and not only did he need it, but all them cops with you needed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what if he just stuck his hand in there and pulled out a, That's right. you know, a Saturday night special, Anything, you know, a 25, yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Whatever the case may be. Well, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, there's this idea that happens with us with – that's why it's important that we understand ourselves, right, and understand the where we're going to get hung up at. Because, see, there's this, there's this thing that happens in Christianity. We get used some, in our lives. We get used – you know, I'm sure this was a – you know, it's not like you get beatings all the time. Now, Paul, it was mm-hmm. a pretty common occurrence for him, yeah. right? I mean, like Acts. I think it's Acts thirteen. He's stoned and beat out, right. you know, in Lister and Derby, yeah. right? But thought he was dead. Thought he was dead, right? And uh, but you know, there's this thing that happens with us. With you know, sometimes we get stuck in this muscle memory scenario where we just we just know this one thing and we default to that. Like right. that's all we do. Last week with the kids, mm-hmm, right? This this is a perfect example. You know, we had our first. You know, uh, for you guys listening, uh, you know, on on uh, Wednesday mornings, we got a homeschool group that comes in and uh, to our shop, and it's a it's one of our ministries here, blessed that we have here at the Kensington Woods Church of Christ, and we teach kids machining and uh, uh, welding, principles of engineering, but basically machining. You know, and it's just a great time. Have a great time with them, and uh, you know, just a great group of kids. They learn a lot, and we start each class with a Bible study, and so. When I say this is a ministry, it definitely is. You know, we put the kids at the beginning of class. You know, I don't just say, hey, we're going to study the book of Acts. You know, while it's is it important to study the book of Acts? Yeah, we're doing it on Sunday morning, right? But, you know, we do this thing with the kids where we're putting – I'm putting them in a situation to where they're going to be a real-world environment. You know, they're going to have to defend their faith, right? You don't go to church to defend your faith. You go to church to build your faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go into the world to defend the faith, and that's why be ready, be vigilant. You know, I mean, yeah. all these things. You know, be always ready, re- always ready to give an answer. Yeah, the, all these things that, that the Lord kind of com- commends us to do. Well, you know, last week the um, the kids, one of the kids, great kid. I mean, he's just a great boy. He he's been with us to camp, and he does a lot of stuff with our youth group. I mean, just a great kid. You know. They were single point threading on the lathe, and it's a, I mean it's kind of a, a pucker situation doing that anyways. I'm not gonna lie, you know you got split second that you got to stop this thing. If not, something cataclysmic will happen. Mm-hmm. Well, him and Aiden, my oldest boy, were standing there, and what happened was he took his hand off the lever. So you don't use this lever for you only use this lever for threading. Period. That's the only thing you use it for. So you don't thread all the time on a lathe. Right. Well, he's over there threading on a lathe. We took his hand off the lever. When you take your hand off the lever, then you, you got to find it again. Exactly. He realized I'm getting close. So what he did was he starts freaking out because you know I told him I, I used to say this in the shop. Well, you know that if you walk into any of the machines in the shop, the biggest button on any of them is the emergency stop button. But we never hit them, and it's because typically speaking, you don't use them. That's exactly right. You go through these day-to-day things, and you do. You get thousands and thousands of hours, and thousands and thousands of movements, and thousands and mm-hmm. thousands of, of experience with it. But you never hit the e-stop button, right? Because usually the e-stop button is for when stuff is going bad. Yeah. 
Well, the east stop button is really for whoever the neighbor is or the guy walking by, and he goes over and he sees something bad, and he's like, I got to stop this thing, and he just sees the big red one. Yep. And so that's the, one thing I love about a table saw. The east stop, it is the, it's the normal stop, it's the red button. And, and so on, a, on, on machinery, it's not, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's a lot of reasons why. And yeah, I can sure, go into explain sure, to sure, you sure. why it's not. Sometimes you just need to back it up, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of reasons why mm-hmm. it's not. But, you know, it's there. Well, bless poor kid, man. He's threading, and he gets, and next thing you know, I hear, bye bye. I mean, it is sounds like somebody shooting a minigun in the yeah. shop, and and once it starts, it gets louder, and I know what's going on. I, I know instantly. I've heard this so many times that I knew exactly what it is. Both of the kids there, my son, who arguably has got probably ten times the amount of experience on a lathe than all the other kids in the shop, mm-hmm. right? Uh, him. <laughs> he's screaming at the other kid not screaming he's like what are you doing fill in the blank you know and that guy is freaking out he's trying his best to grab the handles to grab the lever you know all he's not going to overpower this machine he's not i mean it's i mean it's designed to cut metal right right so just think about how much pressure it's got to do mm-hmm. that you ain't going to overpower no matter how big and bad you're not going to do it right you may break one of the knobs off of the handle but you will not stop it from moving well, he's pounded up into the chuck, and I mean this poor kid. You know, you can tell his heart is going like an epileptic rabbit with the hiccups over there, and he's just having a fit. Well, I get the machine stopped, and I was like, okay, boys, we are, we're going to pump the brakes for the rest of the class. we got to stop and talk about this one. Well, you hate that it happened to him. You know, we're going to spend the rest of the time talking about your mistake, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Right. But it's because we need to talk about what happened. And, th- and they've done some stupid things before, you know, and I've kind of chewed their tail about it. You know, Mr. Chris, you know, you do something stupid, I'm going to chew your tail. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it works. And, 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 but the good thing is, get ready. That's life. Yeah. And, but the good thing is with Mr. Chris is we, when you're done, we pour it out and next week we start all over. Next yeah. time we, st- you know, not you know, this one, Ben. It was so bad. Chris had to take a week off and go to a Grizzlies game. <laughs> It was pretty rough. Well, it was about five hundred dollars in yeah. stuff that got tore up, and and if if it would have went south bad, we're talking about really just a complete destroy. You know, complete. About twenty five minutes before that, me and Chris are out there talking to a lady about the, the gospel and the course and all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. Chris is like, I just saw him he had his hand on his hip talking. You know, probably these last couple of weeks have cost me. You know, and he named out the the amount of money. Which, by the way, if you want to donate to a good cause, uh, you can hit you can hit up the church here and make a donation for the next tech program because a lot comes out of Chris's pocket. But, anyways, Chris said it it cost me about I don't know fifteen hundred dollars or what I don't know what it did cost him in the last few weeks or whatever. Lo and behold, he hit another five hundred dollar hit. <laughs> yeah, twenty five minutes later. Yeah, and and you know, but well, the reason why it happened was is that number one, right? They only had this narrow scope of what of of the way they operate right mm-hmm. so that handle I, I can take my handle off that leave it threading walk away and come back but yeah. the reason why i can do that experience I, i've done it twenty five thousand times i mean i i, I was fixing a part for uh, uh somebody the other day in the church and uh yeah. they said uh i hadn't ran one of these since the ninth grade and i was fixing it on a lathe and i looked at him and i thought <laughs> I hadn't stopped since the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking 30 years now, right? And so at the end of the day, it's really, you know, there's this thing that happens in Christianity that, that number one, you know, so Paul had all these options on the table right here, but he didn't go on muscle memory. What he did was he realized there's a standard that must be held. You know, when you think about leaving a legacy, there's a standard that must be held, but we've got to be the kind of people that can see all of the plays that are on the table. And what is the best one to take? What's the best play? To, what I did was I went over there and turned. I didn't hit the e-stop button either. I turned the machine off and moved it off the chuck because I knew that was the only way. No matter what, if I hit the e-stop button, because I know what happens when you hit the e-stop button, it's going to turn it off. So I, I turned it off and moved it. Either way, you still have to do the same thing, right? I turned it off and moved it off the chuck. Well, you know, the kind of people, we're talking about this standard, right? There's this, sometimes we got this optics on the the right thing and i mean the right thing is always the right thing there's never a wrong a right time to do the wrong thing but you know when you think about leaving a legacy you know your standard that you're going to leave behind well that's going to be specific on on what your circumstances are so that's why god gives us all these people 
that we can look at. All these stories, I say story accounts, mm, accounts of Paul and all these people in the New Testament and all these people in the Old Testament. I found a really awesome one this week. You know, sometimes I'll find these little ones that just blow my mind. We were studying Joseph last month. Mm-hmm. In Genesis 50, you remember they embalm Joseph, and he tells them, in Genesis, uh, Hebrews 11, he says, Take my bones. Take my bones with you. Well, you know, he's embalmed as a mummy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Joseph is mummified. Mm-hmm. He's number two Pharaoh, right? Right. He's, Joshua 24, like the last three or four verses of it, look what it says there. I looked it up again this morning because I saw it. Now, now, remember, Joseph in Hebrews 11 is not accounted for faithful because of all the events he went through. Right. You know, like all the, you know, why he Isn't was. Isn't that crazy? Think about it. Yeah, all the things that Joseph did. You know what he's called faithful for? Because he Instructed said. Instructed them about his bones. Yeah, he said, when y'all go back to Canaan, when y'all get to the place God said, I need you to tote my bones out of here with me. That's 400 and some years you're going to go through here to get there. This ain't like, you know, and hey, don't forget this in a couple weeks when y'all leave. You know, like last night, we left the student center. I got lunch for a boy. Today, I carried some food over because he didn't get to stay. I'm studying with over there. I carried it home with me so that I could make sure that I brought it back for him for lunch today. Well, guess where it's at? It's at my house. I had every intention of bringing it, right? Mm -hmm. Then when I got here, I thought, man, I forgot his food. Well, you know what I did? I forgot that I know that I'm so forgetful that what I did was before I went home, I brought the food over here and put it in the church. I had forgot that I had pre-planned that I'm going to forget. Just think about how bad of a forgetful person you have to be to do that, right? Well, in Joshua 24, there's this really awesome thing that happens. Now, Joseph is accounted faithful, but he says, look, when I leave, when y'all leave Israel, y'all take my bones home with you. When y'all go back to Canaan. Now, you got 400 years that you're going to wait before this happens. And in Joshua 24, now you remember the last night when Israel leaves, this is a hasty retreat or escape or flight or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? This isn't like Israel's going all of a sudden, and they're like, all right, let's start packing, you know, like when you're going to move. Yeah. You ever showed up to help somebody to move? And don't you hate the worst ones? I hate them all, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the worst ones. Man, when you got to pack their stuff. When you got to pack their when you when you're pick, picking through their paintings. I love it whenever they're my close friend. I was like, man, I know we're, we're going to be packing you too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I give them instructions. I give instructions kind of like Joseph did. I'm like, listen, we're going to move you, but unless it's in a box, we ain't moving it. Yeah, well, I hate the ones that you show up and they're and they're like, okay, let me get my boxes together. You're like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't help you move, not to pack, right? Well, Joseph, when they leave Israel, Bob, when they leave Israel, this is a this is a. You remember the God tells them like you eat the Passover tonight right. with, eat your, with your belt on, your sandals your, on your feet, yeah, your, your britches to go on, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, man. Joseph gave them instructions to carry his bones out. 400 years. Joshua 24, verse 32. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground, which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of children, which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. Look, Bob. The night Israel left... I mean, you got to think, there are only a few left in Israel at this time that were real deal, monotheistic, God, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob believers. You know, Joshua 24, verse 15, remember he tells them, like, you know, you, you can go back to Egypt and serve the gods your daddies did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Israel had fallen into idolatry, but there was enough of them left. Joseph had left us such a powerful legacy that he saw it by faith, that somebody said the night of the Passover, we're going to leave. we got to go get Joseph's bones. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. that. You don't ever see him going back. It's not like they could send off for Joseph's bones. It's not like they could say, all right, look, I know we killed Pharaoh's army, and I know that all the, you know, all the stuff had happened, but at some point or another, we got to go back and get Joseph's bones. We forgot about it. No, Bob. Somebody, when they were making haste, somebody grabbed the bones. Somebody grabbed the bones. Just think about that, Yeah, Bob. that's cool. I never thought about it. Think about a legacy that you leave like that and how far down the – how many plays you got to see in order for that to happen. And and that's a – I would imagine – so so here's the thing, uh, talking about that muscle memory thing that, you know, that kid, he, he grabbed the wrong lever. It's because he's been used to using that other lever that's over right. and over and over again. 
there's there's literally guys who I mean, when you, when you talk about law enforcement and people, you know, of course now you can just watch YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video of uh, of people who are of of uh, police shootings and all those kind of things nowadays, and um and people are getting monetized, they're making money just off of breaking down those shootings, you know. Anyways, but there there's literally guys who they would be in firefights and they would get there was a guy who got killed in new hall incident yeah that's a kind of the classic one ain't it yeah he had he had his he made a reload in his gun but didn't get to fire it and then another the the bad guy he was one of the he was one of uh i think four officers that were killed in this incident the guy came over the back of the trunk and shot this officer in the back of the head and they're saying hey he made the reload well they found his brass in his pocket and uh, and it's like, why in the world would this guy, in the heat of the moment, take the time to put his empty shell casings in his shirt pocket? And the reason is because that's what he did on the range. And there's a there's nine one one moments that we have in our lives that will revert back to exactly what we've done before. And it's the same way with our legacy, with our children. Is one day that's why it's train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Did that word train, I mean, you, you know what that is. That is a constant, it is a, it's not just a, um, I'm going to teach, but it's a. Yeah, it's not a place card. Right. It's it's a it's an active word. Yeah, what do they call it? Quick startup guide. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you train him in this in this form, in the way that he should go. Well, how do you train him? Well, it's through discipleship. It's through walking. It's through being yoked in together. Right. And so when you train that child, then when he's old, he won't depart from it. Well, he might walk away for a minute like the prodigal son, but he will come back to it. And and there's a and so there there's this training. Well, what what you're going to do and with your legacy, what what the people after you will do, is based on the training that that you go through and the things that you live out in your life. And so if there's never a there's going to be a nine one one moment whenever you're going to want to start. Uh, whenever you're going to wish that your kids. You know, we, we have those times where it's like kids are answering in class. It's like, I hope my kid gets it right, man. I hope I get it right, you know. And it's like, you know, you work with your kid on presiding before the Lord's table or whatever. And right. and it's like, man, I hope he don't mess up like I've messed up before. You know, I hope he don't say something wrong. And It's like I've done before. Yeah, and it's like, man, I mean, it's a. Don't you do that with your kids, though? Like, I mean, like when you're going on the road, don't you just do like rapid fire stuff? Oh, yeah. Like, hey, tell me why the Bible's true. That's right. Just something, and it's just putting their faith to the test. Yeah, just out of left field. Yeah, and and then, um, and and I'm fine with being the devil's advocate about stuff, you know, to yeah. put them in heart. That, that's what you do with the kids, you know, next tech on, you know, they're having to defend their faith. Well, so with that, you're going to, your kids are going to revert back to, to what, You've done what you've put in a routine, what's been muscle memory to them. The same way that you're going to revert back to what you've put into to your life, your own life, in, in those situations. And so when you have a 911 moment, don't let that be the first time that that you're searching for, for a scripture. And that's that's one thing that we need to do in the church. We need to have more training in the church yep. than just teaching alone. Yep. That's one thing we try to do on those Sunday nights, you know, yep. and, and that's a blessing, right? And so, but it goes back to this idea, of, uh, you know, there, while there's a standard, right? You know, God gives us this book of the rights and the wrongs of things not to do. Really, it's more of the rights than it is the wrongs. Yeah, you know, it's really like telling you this. He is, gives you the story of righteousness, and he gives you the love story that he gave that yeah. he gave to mankind through his son. So it's up for us then to have to kind of. And I don't mean like you know you can be saved any kind of way. That don't take that away from what Chris is saying. There's only one way to heaven. Mm-hmm. There's only one. There's only one path to heaven. There's only one access to salvation. All those things I completely agree with. What I mean is, is that because of life circumstances, everybody will have their own uh, situations that they will have to uh, 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 figure out how to be the best person for the Lord that they can be. Hey, we appreciate you guys' time, and we'll see you next time. Set the standard high.